What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rendition, joined as always by my uh, colleague over at Blue Chip Scout and my co-host, Devin Jackson. Devin, how you doing today, man? Pretty good. Hey, what's up, guys? I know you hear the mic difference. Woo-wee! Dude, I, I okay, no, behind the curtain, behind the curtain, I have been telling Devin since, like, November he needs to get a mic. Legitimately. Since, like, November, and... He finally, despite being the one of the two of us that has the big boy job, he finally has it. And I'm so happy we tested it out the other day. So, yes, you know, now both of us have professional-grade microphones. There's not going to be any sound issues that make it sound like one of us is talking through a sock. We actually, like, it took damn near a year, but it's finally paid off. And, Devin, before we get into what we got planned for this week's show, Episode 50 is right around the corner. This is episode 47, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. But yeah, we're, we're right around the corner, man. We're, uh, we're almost at a year. Uh, October 1st is one year for the Big Shots. That was when our first episode dropped. But for episode 50, that's the big one for us. We have something planned for you. We're not going to spoil it. But, you know, as we as we inch closer... We're gonna, you know, be dropping some hits on, uh, or some hints on social media, so make sure you go follow the account, Big Shots Pod on Twitter. Um, let's get into some news before we get into the, to the, uh, the main course of, uh, of this week's episode. So first, we gotta talk about, already we've got a, a player declaring for the 2021 draft, Caleb Farley, the corner out of Virginia Tech. Possible CB1. I'm not hinting at anything uh, because there is going to be another round of moving around my, you know, my my depth, uh, my position rankings, and my uh, my big board before I'm ready to make a comment on that. But you know, CB1 on a lot of people's boards obviously opted out because there were a lot of safety concerns at Virginia Tech. He noted that there were a hundred people in a meeting room, no masks, no ability to social distance, and. These kids, they don't want to put their health at risk. And I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't either. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very fluid situation. And, I mean, look, let's, let's be honest. NFL, college football, those are two hard uh, sports to social distance and not, you know, you know, keep that distance. You have to literally be in each other's faces all the time. It's going to be impossible. I saw LSU players try that little face shield thing uh, where it goes all the way down. Oh, that's what they're doing across all of them. That's the proposed helmet. And Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to work well because, no. one, the, the shields get foggy. Two, they can't breathe in it. So, But, yeah, I mean, back to Caleb Farley. He's smart. I mean, he really didn't have nothing much to prove on film, if we're both being honest here. Uh, whether he's CB1, CB2, CB3, he's going to be a first-round pick in the, in the 2021 draft. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think he's going to test well. Uh, so kudos to him. You, If you're a top prospect, you got to really evaluate the situation, which goes into something we're going to talk about in a little bit, you know, regarding the Pac-12. Um, but you got to take your safety into consideration. I think that he definitely did that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big one, obviously, you know, I, there's nothing really Caleb Farley could have proven on tape that would have made us go. He needed that extra year. Like this, this kid was ready. Uh, but I think the more important thing is there's been a lot of athletes using their platform, and you and I have been big proponents of that. Whether it's Kylan Hill, whether it's Chuba Hubbard, uh, Javon Holland, right now with the Pac-12, um, 
you know, there's what a hundred players that are, you know, putting together basically a list of demands. You know, they want to put an end to basically being amateur athletes because you know what? These schools are making millions off these kids. And <laughs> excuse me. It's about time that some of that was reciprocated to the players other than just being free entertainment because these kids put a, put their long-term health at risk. And especially now with COVID, I mean Javon Holland said it. We are, you know, we are more than just your Saturday entertainment. We're human beings. And there's a lot like they want proper safety, you know, methods in place with COVID, which you would think the NCAA already had in place, but they didn't. And some of these coaches are responding to this well, and some of them aren't. And even since we just started recording, there was, <laughs> excuse me, there was a, a player from TCU that outed um, uh, Gary Patterson for saying some, well, racist-ass shit, man. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but I'm not going to get into it. People, you can look it up on your own. The player is uh, Dylan Jordan. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, our, our guy Corey Kanan put, uh, very, very bluntly, it's been a rough off season for head coaches who perpetually live with their heads up their own asses. And, you know what? It's, it's, it's tiring. It, it, it and I don't mean that in like it's tiring that the, the players keep doing it. It's tiring that we have to keep having these conversations because these coaches want, like, these mindless drones talking about football nonstop. Like, What's going on at Washington State? Like, with head coach Nick Rolovich. This dude hasn't even coached a game for them. He probably won't if if this type of behavior, you know, uh, keeps up. For those who may not know, as we were talking about that, that, you know, that basically push for unionization of college football players, Nick Rolovich is cutting players that are even retweeting it, which is disgusting. Yeah, I, I just read the the Dylan Jordan one. My goodness, that is horrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these coaches are getting exposed. We talked about it before, though, that a lot of these coaches are getting exposed for who they really are. You know, the the pandemic has really shown a lot of people's true colors, yeah. uh, especially in college football. It's like you either are with the Black Lives Matter movement and, and with being safe and smart or you're not. I mean, it's, it's simple enough. This isn't a political issue. This isn't, it shouldn't be a political debate. Safety is important. Yeah. Whether, whether you're an athlete, whether you're, you're a coach, whether you're a parent, a teacher, the, the safety is important. And it's clear that these coaches don't care because it really, it really trickles down. You, you have to start, we blame a lot of these coaches, but we got to start blaming the heads of these schools. Because they're the ones facilitating this. Like, for instance, the Iowa um, strength you know, coach. Yeah, yeah, the Iowa strength coach. They had to know about that. Don't don't pretend like this. You don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like it, the, the the ignorance is uh, the ignorance is really just showing true. Uh, and I really haven't looked too deep in a Washington State coach, but. From what from what I've been seeing, I don't really need to because it, it's it's really starting to fall under the category of these other coaches, uh, the Dabble Sweeney's, the uh, Mike Gundy's. I mean, good lord, I mean, the list goes on and on this off season, and now you add uh, Gary Patterson, who a lot of people respect. I think mm-hmm. that coming out today is going to be really a really 
huge stir on his name. Uh, but back to what you were saying about the Pac-12, uh, Javon Holland, uh, Sine, uh, uh Panay Sewell? You, you mess that I, up every time, and I love it. Every week. Uh, <laughs> Elijah Molden posted a, a really, really nice message yesterday as well. So some um, of the top... Okay, too. Basically, he called out Washington State's coach, Nick Rolovich, and said, like, you can't do that shit. And that some people be like, oh, that's just, you know, one rivalry, you know, you know, player to the opposing coach. No, 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 that's just human being to human being. You can't do that shit. Yeah. Players aren't taking it anymore, man. And it's, it's really good to see Nor that. should they. It's really good to see them speaking out and, and really putting those demands for us. What better way to do with it now? Because if the season gets canceled anyway... They're going to be talking about amateur athletes anyway. Yeah, Is and you know, you know what? Like, I think, and, and I'm not going to lie, Devin, since we've since we've been doing the podcast since the pandemic and since some of these things have happened, I have gotten gotten messages saying that we shouldn't talk about this, but we absolutely should because you know what? It's happening right before our very eyes, and I could see the point of we shouldn't talk about this if you and I were both your average white dudes, but. I mean, I'm your average white dude. You're not. You right. live this every day. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. We could spend a whole episode talking about that. But uh, long story short, you, you're you're really glad to see these players speaking out on what's happening to them. You know, I mean, I I, I don't I don't hear nothing from scouts about character concerns. I don't want to hear nothing from scouts about uh, oh, he shouldn't be posting about these things. You, you have a platform, use it. I mean, we're we're at a point where now players want to use their platform and, and aren't scared to do so and feeling the repercussions. Because if, if they, you know, basically these coaches are behind closed doors telling players, like, don't say anything or don't speak on it, it's going to come out eventually. So, I mean, like I said, like I said before, like I'll continue to say, these coaches, it's, it's your time now. This is your time to really show – not only the current athletes, but the future athletes you're going to recruit. Um, you know, basically you're making your career at this point. Because mm-hmm. if you continue these these racist actions, these really really uh, negative comments that you're making to players, then look, man, people, uh, you know, people are going to out you, man. So. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm happy to see that these players are going to continue to to speak out on, on what they have to speak out on, um, and, and continue to to fight for uh, the power that they need and deserve to have. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and like you said, we could go on about this forever, but we we do have a podcast we got we got to talk about. So last week, if you guys haven't checked it out, you should obviously go back check out the uh, the podcast we did with Jade Sailor where we talked about the top half. And, you know, the top half of the SEC. And we did that for two reasons. One, we had just recorded, you know, uh, the previous podcast. So if we did that. an hour and a half long. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We don't want to have to go three hours straight because that is exhausting. I don't know how some of these guys do three-hour radio spots, man. I I couldn't. Um, But also, like, you know, we really wanted to kind of hit. You know, hit the people with the top guys. Now, neither you or I have done like a deep dive on the SEC. That's coming. For me, that's probably going to be over the next week, week and a half, because I just yeah. finished the Pac-12, and that took me a week and a half. Um, but you know, we we previewed uh, with Jay. We did Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, and LSU. 
So today we're doing the, the rest of the conference. So we got Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, A&M, and Vandy. And I'm probably, I, I don't mean to sound mean, but we're probably going to be able to breeze through a couple of these teams relatively quickly. <coughs> Vandy. <clears throat> oh, my bad. Arkansas. I had some in my throat. <laughs> All right. So why don't we get started? Uh, we got Arkansas. Now, we're just going to do this part alphabetically. We're not going to try to tier these teams. I literally actually wrote it out so that we had proper order to go in rather than just going off the top of our head and missing teams like Minnesota. I still cannot believe like three, four weeks later that that happened. But let's talk about Arkansas. Um, they have a new coach. You know, they finally realized that hiring Chad Morris was a bad decision. He wasn't good at SMU, so I don't know what made them think he was going to be a good coach at Arkansas. Then SMU got better after you left. Yeah, exactly, man. So they brought in the offensive line coach from Georgia, Sam Pittman, who looks like the dollar store equivalent of Coach Ogeron. Like, I'm not kidding. I don't mean that in a negative way. He literally looks like the bootlegged version of Ed Orgeron. It's kind of freaky. But there are some guys on Arkansas that are going to get, uh, you know, looked at a little bit more intensely th- than others. I think the big one is grad transfer at quarterback in Felipe Franks. Yeah, that, that's going to be a big addition. Uh, honestly, I mean, as much as we ragged on Felipe Franks last year and the year before, he's really not horrible. I mean, I know he hasn't been great, but he's that not a, a horrible phrase. You don't quite suck. <laughs> But you kind of do. Yeah, I mean, he's not horrible. Uh, I think he'll be serviceable. But, I mean, Arkansas, man. Ah. It's like, they're just so just there. Like, all you can think about when you think about Arkansas is Darren McFadden. Yeah, and that was a long time ago, bro. Like, that was a long time ago. Like uh, they, they were like a thorn in LSU's side, you know. They, they literally beat LSU. But, listen. I have this is kind of off off topic, but I have friends like in college from college, and literally I tell them every year, if LSU loses to Alabama, they're going to lose to Arkansas because they just don't give a damn anymore. <laughs> a- after like Alabama steals their soul, and then the rest the rest of the games are just blah. They'll beat Texas A and M though, but they'll lose to they'll lose to Arkansas for no yeah. reason. Like. So this team had some good players last year. They had McTelvin Najim go in the top 100. And, I, and you know, I like McTelvin Najim. Uh, our guy Dante Colinelli really liked McTelvin Najim. And then they had, I think, Cameron Curl go, like, in the late stages of day three. But, like, this year, they, they have, they have Felipe Franks, who, I mean, it's, it's an improvement on whatever they would have had. <laughs> I mean, it's Arkansas. You're not, you're not getting a how, lot of Arkansas. I'm sorry. How many, how many Allens did they have come through there? Uh, thirty-seven and a half. Uh, it's like Brandon Allen, Austin, Austin Allen. Allen. I was like, yeah. good God, how many how many brothers are you gonna have that play quarterback and not be good? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, you know, mediocrity reign in that family. Um, but I mean, jeez, man, I don't even know some of these kids he's up against. I, he's up against a redshirt sophomore and a redshirt freshman. If he loses his starting job, it, it curtains on Felipe Franks. Pretty much. Now, I don't know about you, Devin, but you and I both know as someone who this time last year was saying that Felipe Franks would go higher than uh, than Joe Burrow. In other news, um, <laughs> last chance <laughs> There's you my was one out. per episode. There's my one per episode. 
Um, and in yeah, other like, news, uh, Last Chance U was out, and uh, Arkansas has a Last Chance U alum on the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Rakeem Boyd. Let's talk about Rakeem Boyd. Um, I don't see it. I, I, I don't. I see, like, your average, like, fifth-round running back. I, I th- I've seen him listed as high as, like, RB3, RB4 for people, and I'm just like, Absolutely what? Not. No. When I look at him, I see, like, I'm trying to think of, like, even in comparison to the last, like, couple of years. This is, it's like watching, like, Michael Warren from Cincinnati last year, or, like, like, I'm not even comparing play style, but, like, that same kind of range, uh, where, like, you're, you're talking about a dude that's gonna go in, like, the latter stages of the draft. You're not talking about someone that's gonna go top 100. He doesn't yeah. have breakaway speed. He's not the strongest runner either. He's just kind of there. This is, you know what a good comparison for him would be? If you look at the Jags, Ryquel Armstead, the kid from Temple a couple years ago. I have no idea who that is, so I'm not going to pretend to know. He's Leonard Fournette's backup. So you're looking at a guy that, you know, is going to be a solid backup running back to the next level that you can hand maybe 10 carries a game. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably going to be a rotational back. I don't expect him to be like a feature no. or, or starting running back. I think he could fill in and be a nice replacement for the back of running back should a running back go down. We know running back sh- uh, shelf life were pretty short. Um, so that's why I kind of see for him. But I, I, think I, just, I, just, I just I just, like Henry's his story, on this team. I think they have Hunter Henry's brother on this team. They have a Hudson Henry. I don't know. Why do why do they why do they recruit brothers? They're just like, you know what? You are okay, so we're gonna recruit your brother. Uh, and then the only other player I can really think of looking at their team, I have not watched this kid. Uh, I am gonna be completely honest with you. Like I said, they are not. Exa- I Arkansas is not exactly a, a school I've gotten around to, uh, other than uh, just they're watching. not exactly accessible film wise either. That that is also true. Um. But, like, you know, obviously I watched Rakeem Boyd. But, like, when I take a, 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 uh, a look, there's gonna, there's this kid that they've got at left tackle. Jim Nagy gave him a bit of love, uh, I want to say about a week or two ago. Uh, Myron Cunningham. 6'7", 297. That's a odd size to be playing offensive tackle, if I'm being completely honest with you. <laughs> Honestly, he might be, like, 285, 290, if we're being honest. Yeah, like, that's, that's a... <laughs> Odd build. Like, that's a very odd build. I mean, that's according to our lads. If I take a look on the school website, they've got him, oh, 67293. Yeah, see, I, listen, if, it, if it's like 297, like 247, anything like that, they're really, right. like, they're really right. like 240. <laughs> like 290, 240, like, come on. Yeah, yeah, legitimately. Like, all right, so I don't know anything about this kid's movement skills, but... I mean, let me see what I can find, if I can find that Jim Nagy tweet on him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, this I, great radio. I, I really have, yeah, I really haven't gotten to SEC uh, either. You know, it's one of the last conferences I get to. I, I still, I did start to dive a little bit into Alabama's offensive line film, uh, even though we talked about them last last episode. So uh, that was interesting. There, there was like a guy uh, that I was uh, taking a look at. Might be able to find his name, but. I don't think he's going to be, like, any, you know, a big deal or anything like that. But I think that, you know, he could potentially 
you know, be like a, a day three guy and, and be in a rotation and be kind of a do-it-all type of guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Landon Dickerson, uh, Alabama's like center slash guard. Uh, he has some he has some mauling type plays, but there are just some plays he's just like he's all right. You know, it's not not not. I, can, I can't even about. find the tweet from Jim on on, on Myron Cunningham, but yeah, he's 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 going to be someone I have to watch. So we will we will see. Honestly, listen, I I I, I want to do Arkansas justice, so let me take a look at their schedule and we'll see. Realistically, what it's going to look like. All right, so you ready for this? I'm going to go Let's game go. by game. So it's only got uh, uh, one, two. They've they've got the eight conference games listed. So at Mississippi State, loss, right? Yeah. Texas at Texas A&M, loss. Home against Bama, loss. Home against LSU. Big ass loss. <laughs> Home against Tennessee. Uh, this is a toss up. At Auburn. Uh, that's a loss. Yeah. Home against Mississippi. That I'd call that a loss. And hey. then at Missouri, I'd call that a loss. I think that that's a two win team. They're they're not good. And you know what? They're going to need a culture reset because they just had. A really, really crap coach in there. And there's going to be a lot of change that, that needs to take place. And when you're a lower level team in the SEC, it takes time. True. Yeah. All right. So moving on from Arkansas, because I legitimately, other than the fact that they have a guy named Bumper Pool, I don't think that there's anything else we really need to talk about with, 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 uh, with Arkansas. Like, I know that kind of sounds mean, but I'm being entirely honest with you. Um... Yeah, so moving on from Arkansas, next up, we have Kentucky. Now, Kentucky's been kind of good in recent years. Uh, obviously, they had the big breakout year a couple years ago when they had um, uh, Benny Snell and Josh Allen on that team. And, yeah, some of that talent is, isn't exactly there anymore. They're going to be decent, though. They are going to be decent. They're not, they're not, they're not uh, bottom feeders anymore. No, no, no. Mark Stoops has really done a great job putting that, that program together. Uh, you know, they don't have uh, Lynn Bowden anymore on um, <clears throat> on um, on offense to be kind of a do-it-all, but they will get their, their, their proper quarterback back in uh, Terry Wilson. Now, I, believe me, I'm not entirely sure what his uh, upside is as a pro player, but he's He's done well as a college quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I, I don't really see like you know he's gonna soar or anything like that. I think he's probably gonna go lay round, probably uh, UDFA. Uh, you know, should you know teams. Worst case scenario, you have a, a player that you can you can put in like that Taysom Hill role. I hate yeah. that that's a thing. I honestly hate that that's a thing. Uh, but take a look at the roster. They've got obviously Wilson. Uh, they've also got potential. Uh, 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 that's what I'm looking for. Competition for him in the Auburn transfer, Joey Gatewood, six four two forty two. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, immediately Man. eligible. Just I'm, just be a be a tight end, bro. <laughs> uh, they six do four two forty. Yeah, they have one of my, hey, that's Dak Prescott size. 
Jesus Christ. They also have one of my favorite names in EO in the country now, man. I just saw this this name just a second ago. His name is Cavassier Smoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing him. Wait, no, was he playing receiver? Running back. Oh. No, there's uh, – I'm kind of skipping ahead, but they got two good corners. Um, I can't think of their names right now, but they, they have two solid corners. Give me a second there. But you can go ahead uh, and talk about, about – uh, uh, Yeah, the, you know, uh, Kentucky's got some dudes. They've got um, a defensive uh, – like a nose tackle that's getting a lot of attention in uh, Quentin Bahana. Uh, you know, 6'4", 361. Uh, that is a gigantic human being. So that is definitely your end of the draft type nose tackle space eater. Go out there, take up three blocks and then free up our linebackers. Like that's what you want from someone that size. Uh, they've also got a decent pass rusher. Uh, J- uh, Jamar Boogie uh, Watson. Uh, by the way, kudos for having the nickname Boogie. Um, always, it seems like what's one of the more popular nicknames I've found. A lot of guys go by Boogie. Um, but yeah, Jamar Watson, if it'll, if their site will let me pull it up, I want to say he, he put up double digit sacks last year. Uh, they have, man, their site is not very conducive. Um, he had, sorry, he has 13 career sacks. So you're getting someone that can get, yeah, he had six and a half. He's got 13 and a half for his career. Someone that can get to, the, you know, get to the quarterback. Seems to be a little bit more of like a well-rounded type linebacker. A little bit of like that Josh Allen type, uh, which, you know, that has proven to be successful. It, yeah, it they, got they him. Like, they like those type of guys. Exactly. Uh, that's, apparently. that, that stoops, that's stoops like, uh, build yeah. there. And then they've got a transfer corner, uh, that's a senior. Uh, coming from Northwest Mississippi College. Is that is that the original Last Chance U? No. No, no, no. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, damn. EMC, oh, East Mississippi. Yeah, East Mississippi. Yeah, too many of those. Uh, yeah, they I, got I, actually pass, I actually passed it one day. <laughs> driving. Uh, but yeah, like, they've got... Listen, they're never going to be a team that has, like, a ton of talent, but they do, across the... You know what? I, I take that back because they they have some guys on the offensive line that I missed. So they've got uh, three offensive linemen that are definitely senior bowl, uh, you know, uh, potential. They've got yeah, Landon Young, uh, six, their left tackle who's six five and three oh five. Watched a little bit of him uh, last. You know, has some decent movement skills. Maybe a little bit stiff. Uh, obviously, again, gonna have to take a, a, a deeper look into him. Drake Jackson, the center. I've heard a lot about this kid. Looking forward to kind of digging into his film. Um, 6'2", 313, that kind of perfect size for, for the modern day center. You know, you look at guys like, uh, Jason Kelsey that are in that like 6'2-ish range. Um, you know, kind of hovering around the 300s. And then they got this Darian Kinnard kid at right tackle. Now he's actually only a junior, but 6'5", 350. I want to say it was Matt Valdovinos that, that first tweeted about him and kind of mentioned that, like, this is someone that you got to watch. And, you know, left tackle, right tackle right now in college, it doesn't really matter because if you're a good right tackle, the NFL is going to draft you early anyways because teams are loading up pass rush on both sides. Yeah, it's, it's getting to a point where you, you're you basically coming at a premium uh, quarterbacks, edge, tackles. Uh, yep. there, those are pretty much the, the top three that 
teams are looking for because those are kind of the foundation of teams. You got the tackles are always important to protect your quarterback. You got to have a quarterback worth giving a damn about and can throw a football accurately and down the field. And then, of course, you got to have someone come off the edge and get get after the quarterback. You got to be able to do all three things. Uh, those are kind of the bases when people are looking at draft draft picks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kentucky has some talent. Like I was saying, they got two corners, uh, Brandon Eccles and then Cedric Dort Jr. Uh, I took a look at both of them. Uh, both are pretty good. They're they're both about 5'11", uh, 180, uh, kind of small in, in weight, but they're competitive, get after it, uh, and, and tough SEC corners, you know. Uh, I believe Eccles had, like, nine pass breakups, like two and a half tackles for loss, a couple forced fumbles, so... They have some talent all around. You know, Kentucky's not a bottom feeder. They're not a team that you can just overlook um, and and just look past pretty much. So you, you got to really take them seriously every year. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a major threat to, to win SEC East, but they can be a thorn in somebody's uh, season. Pretty much. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that Kentucky's probably going to be, depending on how their season, how the SEC shapes their season, I think they've also announced that they're going – uh, conference only, correct? Yeah, I think the SEC is kind of the one that... I think uh, it's the Big 12 that's the only one that hasn't. Yeah, I, I think the Big, Big 12 are one of the last ones to, to announce. I think they did recently, or they're going to soon, uh, yeah. sometime this week. Uh, but yeah, the SEC, I think they propose a 10-game uh, conference schedule. So I Which think, would like, just murder some of the weaker teams in the conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like... Vandy's on life support right now. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to them in a second. Uh, moving on, we've got Mississippi. Uh, they're also now uh, under a new regime. Now, to get off topic for a second, I called this. I wrote an article when they, you know, when basically all the college vacancies were open, where I tried to match, you know, you know, you know, match make the the, the top jobs. And I said Lane Kiffin was going to go to Mississippi about a week before he even first interviewed, before anyone else mentioned that Lane Kiffin to Mississippi was a possibility. So, so, looking into my crystal ball, I don't see this being a good year for Mississippi. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, got, I, I had to build it all up. Listen, they've got a quarterback controversy between two quarterbacks that aren't good in Matt Coral and this is one of my favorite names. Uh, John Reese Plumley. I have no idea whether he's related to the other two. I'm assuming by the fact he's about a foot I, shorter please. than him, he's probably not. I'm so I'm so tired of the Plumleys. Please, no more. <laughs> uh, uh, given that he's a, a a good foot shorter than them, I would I would assume he's not. Uh, I also love that they have a running back named Snoop Connor. These names, man, I love these names. Listen, the SEC, <laughs> I think they probably have the best names across the. Not just in terms of talent. We mean literally just names. Uh, but taking a look at their their draft ta- uh, draft eligible talent, um, there ain't really a lot. So they, these it's gonna be one of those schools where we can get through kind of quickly. Uh, can we talk about Elijah Moore? Of course. All right. Now Elijah Moore is more of a slot you know option. He's uh, he's five nine, one eighty five, decent speed, pretty good hands. Also cost them their game against Mississippi State. Yep. He's the one who pretended to take a piss on the field. 
I immediately thought about that as soon as you said. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of like, so when I wrote the Big 12 preview, which, by the way, available on, on BlueChipScout.com, um, you know, shameless plug. It kind of reminded me of when I was writing about Brandon uh, Radley Hiles, the the Oklahoma corner, who is literally known for just being small and then taking a cheap shot, uh, you know, while getting his ass whooped by uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Elijah Moore is known for being small and pretending to take a piss. He's got some work to do. He's got some work to kind of clear up that, uh, you know, that that that. That aura around him. Now, again, we're talking about someone that's probably going to go day three. Remember a couple years ago when Ole Miss had, like, dudes. A.J. <laughs> a. Brown. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. There were some people that liked uh, Marcus Lodge. Even before that, they had Robert Kandichi, uh Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell. By the way, I mean, both of those guys failed listen, at the next level. Oh, yeah, they did. But listen, <laughs> I... I'm I'm an LSU fan, but listen, I was a room for Ole Miss. I'm not gonna lie to you. They had Bo Wallace, uh, Jalen Walton, I think, at running back, uh, Laquan Treadwell, Robert Kandichi, uh Sinquez Golson. They had Cody Pruitt. I mean, they had so many dudes that yeah, I knew not their names. <laughs> it's just not there anymore. Now, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil, the the the, the highest graded offensive tackle grade I've ever given. Man, whoever whoever uh, released that video did him bogus. Yeah, yeah. Still, well, it's still okay. He's the, still making twenty million dollars a year. That, that's true, but that's still the biggest mystery on draft day I've ever seen. Exactly. Uh, they do have a good offensive line lineman this year. Uh, ben Brown, six five, three twenty. Kind of, you know. Listen, he's gonna be great in the run game, but we've seen Lane Kiffin offenses in, in college. They're aired out. They're spread it out, aired out. I'm interested to see how a kid with that build that's been proficient in run blocking is going to hold up to constant pass run sets. Man, imagine Lane, imagine Lane Kiffin with Tua. Yeah, we had that, didn't we? Oh no, we had it with like Blake Sims. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Tua. And he was he was calling he was calling some dying plays where he knew it was a touchdown before he even called it. So just imagine yeah. Tua with. With him, I, I think to a, I mean, I mean, of course the injury sucks, but damn, that offense with all yeah, they had, it's it's a shame they only won one national t- title. Even though I'm an LSU fan, it's a, it's a the greatest shame, the greatest collection of receivers I've ever seen in college. Uh, and then they've also got this, this linebacker, uh, Muhammad Sinogo, six um, two. 245, uh, you know, rangy, not sure the NFL future, just kind of, he's a junior, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of time left to figure that out, but like, you know, Mississippi's an upside. They're not, no, they're not going to be contender this year. They're building though for something special because Lane Kiffin wants to stick it to Nick Saban. Oh yeah, listen. He absolutely wants to stick it to Nick Saban. Why do you think he went to to a school that's in that conference, in that division? No, it was funny that people were picking uh, Florida Atlantic to be Oklahoma. Remember that? Because of Lane <laughs> yeah, Kiffin. Yes, I like, Oh, it like Oklahoma's on upset alert. Then they yeah. then they went up forty five zero in the first half. Yeah. So. Uh, so moving from one half of the Egg Bowl to the other half, 
Mississippi State fired Jim Moorhead. They replaced him with walking conspiracy theory Mike Leach. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I know a lot that of people are fans. Insane rivalry game ever because you have these two batshit crazy oh, coaches. Oh, listen, it's going to be like 120 passes thrown. Not only that, but just can you imagine the media availability going into that week? Can you oh, imagine? it's going to be a circus. It's going to be oh, a circus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, am I the only one that doesn't really like this move right now? I don't like it. I really don't. First it of all. It just doesn't fit because, like. A lot of coaches have come to SEC to try and impose their, like, style or whatever, and it just hasn't worked. And him throwing 60 times against an Alabama pass rush, against an LSU pass rush, he's going to get the quarterback murder. He's probably going through two or three quarterbacks this year. Not only that, not only that, Mississippi State's not going to be good this year. They lose a lot of talent from last year. A lot. They lose Willie Gay and like I say, that's one of your favorite. That was one of your draft crushes. That was one of my dudes last year. Willie Gay was one of my dudes dating back to this time last year. But like, you want to take a look at the guys that they lose. Like you're losing, uh, you know, two offensive linemen. Uh, you're losing several guys from that secondary. Uh, Sorry, you're losing three offensive linemen. I think Tyree Phillips did. Uh, Willie Gay. Like you're uh, Cam Dantzler, you listen two guys from that secondary. You listen two, you know, two offensive linemen. Uh, you gotta fill those voids. And there's one thing that Mike Leach's teams are not known for: it's playing defense, like at all. He just don't do it. Dating back to Texas Tech, dating back to Washington State. What is the SEC? What do you need in the SEC to stay remotely competitive? A defense. And they're returning Errol Thompson, who's probably their biggest impact player. And if you want to talk about um, defense, like you know, next level upside with him, six four, two fifty five, stiff as a board, stiff as a board, man. Don't ask, don't ask this kid to, to, to cover. And then on offense, there's a lot of question marks, man. How's Kylan Hill going to hold up to now being turned into Max Borgie? Horrible. Oh, it, it's just the, that's the optics. Of, my mind. If you take that, Kylan the optics Hill, are going to be horrible. If you take t- Kylan Hill, who I have as it stands as the sixth best best running back in this class, and you tell him we're just going to throw you the ball, you're not going to actually run the ball. Like, yes, did he have questions about his hands that are not going to be answered? Yes. Would I like to still see him run the ball occasionally? Yes. The thing is, like, they're going to get down so quick too. Because if you're listen, I've gone from I can I can speak to this personally. We've gone from like a pro style offense to literally a uh, air raid, and to get players adjusted to that, to get linemen adjusted to that, that's gonna be it's gonna be work. And yeah. you increase you uh, you know uh, combine it with the pandemic that's already going on. And they don't have the receivers probably for the for that. Like it's going to be a mess, and they don't have a quarterback for sure yet. Uh, you know, Tommy Stevens left, even though he was okay. He wasn't really great there. So it's, let's it's going talk to be a, about KJ Costello then. Let's talk about him. The Stanford, uh, uh, the Stanford uh, transfer. Now, I am not going to go uh, the Darren Ravel. Uh, route and talk about how he went from like Stanford, this prestigious academic university, to Mississippi. I, I don't care about that. I really don't. 
listen, he 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 made a move that was best for for his draft stock. I just don't think he's any good. I just don't think he's any good. It was just so hard to watch Stanford last year. Period. I mean, it's you, been you hard had... to watch Stanford for me for literally my entire life. Since but... Christian McCaffrey left, I I haven't given a damn about Stanford. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. I I really don't. I don't want to watch their games. Um, but li- listen, man, it. I'm not even going to look at him really this close this year because one, he's going to be playing in a new system, and he's used to that Stanford throw the ball like 20 times a game, run the ball like 40, and you know set it up with play action. Two, like you said, I don't think he's that great. Uh, I see people like David Mills at Stanford. I don't think he's that great either. Nope. Uh, I just uh, and again, you're taking a guy that's coming from a pro style offense that has thrown the ball more than 30 times in a game, and he's going to have to throw what, 40, 40 50, 50 in this offense? Shit, 60 if they get down big. So I mean, or if it goes into overtime or anything like legit. Yeah. This is everything is pointing to this not being a good move. And not at all. But I'm so I'm, I'm so excited for the Ole Miss Mississippi State game. Though. Oh yeah, but I'm. It's going to be a struggle year for Mississippi State. Kylan Hill, man, I'm, I'm really praying for that man because something's going to have to give. Either they're going to give him the ball like 25, 30 times a game or they're just going to rotate him, and it's going to kill his draft, draft stock. Uh, so he might have to consider sitting out, man. He might have to consider just going forward and, and just looking forward to the NFL draft at this point because, I mean, for running backs – these for him, suck. Yeah, I mean, he, he's basically going to be trying to carry this offense, and it sucks for running backs to have to do that. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, listen, Mississippi State wasn't great last year. It's one of the reasons why Jim Moorhead's not there anymore. I just, I, I, I don't like the, their prospects. The, 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 the SEC is really, like, so stacked at the top. If you look next, our next team is Missouri. And there are actually some exciting players on this team, man. I'm, I let's start with with Damon Hazelton. All right, I watched him when I was watching the ACC because he was on Virginia Tech, and this kid had some some talent. Like he he was a straight up dude, um, you know. But again, he's he's not the greatest athlete. Uh, I, um, he put up thirty one for five forty seven and eight. So again, not great numbers, but you know. Virginia Tech wasn't exactly known for their offense last year. Uh, you know, the talent's there. He's a big-bodied 6'3", 215. Um, you know, decent enough route runner. He's going to at least be a jump ball type guy. Um, I can't see him not really translating well. He's he's going to get drafted. He's also the guy that, that Paris Ford... Uh, knocked into like row F with that hit. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I mean, mostly excited for Nick Bolton, of course, um, linebacker for for Missouri. He's he's really good, man. Yeah, uh, I did I I did take a look at him. One of the few players from SEC that I did uh, take a look at. He's good. Uh, he right now I got him at uh, LB three. Yep, behind, same. Behind uh, Parsons and. Uh, Moses, so he's he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a really good dude. I think he's gonna be one of those gems uh, that team take probably second round uh, and get really good value for him. Yeah, absolutely, 
uh, just to kind of build on that with with Nick Bolton. Uh, I think some people are kind of sleeping on him, but man, this dude—you would—he's six feet two thirty, so he's kind of in that like Devin Bush type build. Um, this dude will knock your block off. Uh, not the greatest in coverage, a little bit stiff. Uh, you know, not the rangiest in terms of coverage. Um, and he does kind of need to work on reading the field a little bit better. Like, if you want to look at, like, the top two and then tier it, when you look at, like, Parsons and, and Moses, who we've, we've touched on, these kids are just, like, miles ahead. But then when you look at, like, Chaz Surratt and Nick Bolton in that next year, like, Surratt's the more... Um, knowledgeable, knowledgeable, like higher football IQ type guy. Whereas Nick Bolton is going to be the one that just flies to the ball and just beheads you. And it it just becomes a matter of preference. I think that they're actually really close in terms of, of rankings. And when I look at this and as I've been piecing together my board, maybe I was a little too low on Surratt and maybe a little too high on Bolton, but they're, they're seemingly neck and neck. Yeah, they're, they're like you said, they're they're pretty similar. Uh, you know, Bolden, I think you know another year under his belt and understanding, reading defenses and everything like that. I think it's gonna do really well for him. Uh, you know, the more you play, the more the game slows down. So it's it's just about the game slowing down for him. Uh, you know, while coverage skills can't really be taught, you know per se, uh, I think he's gonna it's gonna improve just with more reps and continuing to understand the defense and understanding the game plan uh, and just understanding what type of routes teams are going to run, getting to your depth. Uh, so I think the more that uh, he studies and continues to evolve as a player, the more that he's going to be able to uh, do a lot of things that Parsons and Moses can do. I think he has a potential to do those things and, and get to that level. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's set in stone per se. I think that obviously Parsons and Moses are miles ahead, but I think Bowman can can uh, narrow the gap. Yeah, absolutely. And then they've also got uh, a safety tandem that's been tweeted at, uh, out by uh, Jim Nagy as guys to watch in uh, Joshua Bledsoe and uh, I just had the name up here a second ago, Tyree Gillespie. By the way, amazing names. Fantastic names. Um, Gillespie's coming off of a year with, as my screen freezes and I can't quite see... Uh, he's coming off a year. Why isn't it letting me? There we go. Coming off a season. I hate my screen sometimes. It just like doesn't listen to what I want to do. He had uh, seven pass deflections, no interceptions. So you're gonna have to look, you know, wonder about how natural his hands are. Uh, whereas with uh, Josh Bledsoe, uh, what did he put up? He had ten uh, pass deflections. Again, no interceptions. So these are dudes where they'll bat down a lot of passes. They're just not going to turn the ball over for you. They may yeah, force I, a couple think, of fumbles. I think it's interesting when you look at like safeties and DBs that don't have very like very little interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always interesting to see because I I don't think like the pass breakup stat always gets accurately tallied. No. Because um, when you go back and, like, I'm trying to think, like, uh, Cameron Bynum, for example, uh, when I went back and looked, he had a lot more pass deflections than they gave him credit for. So, like, with watching DBs and safeties, I know, like, you know, you got to look at ball schools and whatnot. But to me, you got to also look at how they're disrupting 
you know, whether they're disrupting the routes, uh, getting out of breaks, how are they, their hips, hip movement, you know, how they, with recovery speed. Um, so I think it's interesting. So I, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at those two guys, those two safeties, uh, and take a deeper look in the safety class in general. I really haven't gotten to a ton of safeties yet. I keep finding myself finding more and more corners and linebackers and whatnot. Uh, Wide receivers. Yeah, every time I'm looking at film. But, yeah, safety is is definitely something I want to kind of key in on. Yeah, and you know what? Missouri's going to be an interesting one to watch. They're also now on a new head coach. There was so much coach turnover in uh, in the SEC. They're on uh, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, which, man, that that takes a lot of confidence in his ability, you know, uh, when he's only got one year of being a head coach at the college level, and it was taken over for an, uh, Scott Satterfield at App State after Satterfield took the Louisville job. This, that's a lot of confidence put into dude. I don't know. That's 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 risky for me. I don't know how I mean, they made that decision, but I feel like compared to is. I feel like compared to other conferences, the SEC teams always reach on coaches. Yeah, like overreach because they want to have that splash higher. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though you and, I said this, you and I said this the entire time where the the coaching carousel was going on, like Brian Harson from Boise State, that would be a great hire from Missouri. Uh, you know, Jeff Brom, our guy from Purdue, that'd be a great hire. Nope. Let's take the, the one year wonder dude out of App State. It's going to blow up in their face. Oh, absolutely. And they gave him a lot of money. All right. Let's talk about a team. That probably has the most talent out of anyone we've talked about so far. Let's talk about uh, South Carolina. Yeah, they they got two very capable corners. They got more like, than just that, man. They got they, oh, got, yeah. a, they got a good guard in Sidarius Hutcherson. I've watched quite a bit of him. Six four, three fifteen. Good movement skills. Good pass blocker. Good run blocker. Um, you know, kind of that like. Late day two, early day three type player. I actually, I really like Hutcherson. I need to, when I sit down and I watch them more specifically, we'll see whether my opinion stays that way. But like from what I, from what I saw, I actually thought that he was a pretty good player. Yeah, I haven't taken a look at him, but uh... he's so strong, man. But the problem is like he can get kind of top heavy, and as the game goes on, he just kind of leans. Yeah. Uh, they've also got, uh, was it DJ Wanham that was the, uh, the, the edge rusher they had last year? I think so. Yeah, well, they got his younger brother, Dylan, uh, at right tackle, 6'5", 310. Uh, so again, another offensive lineman coming on South Carolina for people to watch. But yeah, let, let's talk about this defense, man. Uh, Israel Mukawamu and JC Horn. Mukawamu single-handedly just ended Georgia last year. Three picks, one for a touchdown. Uh, the reason that, that South Carolina won that game. But Jake Fromm wouldn't be thrown his way if it weren't for the son of Joe Horn, J.C. Horn, on the other sideline. Might as well get him on the Saints for the culture. You know what I'm Definitely, saying? Definitely, man. Definitely. It's kind of like when um, uh, Saragusa's kid was drafted by the Ravens or when uh, Orlando Brown Jr. was drafted by the Ravens. The Ravens really like that type of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, they they're the uh, NFL version of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm excited about these two corners. Uh, I've seen them in passing. I've seen a little bit of games when I'm watching like receivers, and they're they're both really good, man. J.C. Horn, uh, 
his upside is probably the better of the two, in my opinion, um, just because he's still tapping into his potential. But I'm excited about South Carolina's secondary next year. I don't, think I, I don't think I've said that much lately, but... No. Here's the thing, is that they absolutely, like, they are, for as talented as they are, that system does them no favors. Because you have Horn, who's 6'1", 200. You have Mukwamu, who's 6'4", who's six foot four and 215. And you're asking them to play 5, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You're having guys that are already a little bit more stiff just naturally due to their size. And you're having them play off so that underneath routes, I mean, that's how Alabama just killed South Carolina last year. They just killed them with underneath routes to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. And slants. And big, slants. Big, uh, big uh, slant touchdown from Ruggs. He had like a 75-yarder. They just they got killed in that game, and they don't adjust. They just have the playoff line of scrimmage. I love the players. I hate the system. Yes, uh, what's the name? Is he still a coach? Muschamp, uh, yes. Yeah, that explains everything. Yeah. Stubborn <laughs> um, old Muschamp. Yeah, I, I don't know why he didn't get canned. Uh, maybe because the team saved him last year with beating Georgia. Yeah, if, he uh, didn't, if they didn't beat Georgia, he gets fired. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think he's on a hot seat this year. Um, he has to be, man. Has to be. There are, um, I think this is probably one of the last teams that's got, like, a decent amount of talent that we should talk about. Let's talk about Tennessee. How Tennessee managed to go on that run and get into, you know, into the bowl season. And, and beat our beat our beloved uh, Indiana in the bowl. Dude, game. Rhett Lewis is still sad about that game. Legitimately. Legitimately, he's still sad about that. I don't think um, I, I don't blame him either. Let's talk about one of my dudes. Let's talk about Trey Smith, man. This Listen, is my guy. Not only him, but they added Cade Mays. From they Georgia. added Cade Mays from Georgia. And You're right. I I, I really like Cade Mays. I really like. Him. I don't know if he's going to be eligible, but he, he I is. Really he is. Like him. He he's a he's already a junior. No, and he's I mean, already no no. Like, I mean like eligible eligible for the season. Oh no, he's already listed as their starting right guard. I, I saw. I looked it up the other day. They didn't really have a definitive answer, um, so I, I guess. But I, I knew Georgia was going to play hardball with that one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, geez, that 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 guard tandem is freaky. That is some terrifying guard. All right, Trey Smith is six five three thirty three. Uh, this kid is just a mauler in the run game, man. He, he's just, I mean, he can play everything other than center. He was originally a left, uh, a left tackle recruit, started off at left guard, moved out to left tackle, uh, moved back inside to guard. Uh, I think he played a little bit of right guard last year as well. Uh, but yeah, he, he's really found his home playing on the interior, uh, as opposed to being, you know, a tackle. Um, you know, he is a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. Uh, and I think part of that is due to the fact that he can get heavy-footed. His lateral movement skills not the best. Um, and in, you know, some and again, all of that when you're six six three thirty, that that's hard to do. You know, like thank God Tennessee's not an air raid offense. He'd be screwed. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, listen, Tennessee. 
They're going to most of they're most going of to his team. things. Most of his 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 red flags are due to health. He he had the blood clots in February of uh of of eighteen, um, and then you know he he missed time due to that. But I think if he gets if he gets fully cleared, we're looking at a guy that's going to go top fifty easy easy. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Honestly, I have, him and him and Maze could probably go top fifty top seventy five. I have him at uh twenty one. On my board, he is my top-rated interior offensive lineman. Yeah, I'm gonna have to take a look at him for sure, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited about. So uh, tell me about Cade Mays because I haven't watched him because I, I didn't watch. Yeah, him so so uh, basically, yeah, somewhat similar to to Trace. I mean, he's, he's a bit of a mauler. Uh, like he played at Georgia, like I was saying, uh, pretty good in pass protection. I think he was like kind of a Swiss Army knight. He played a little bit center. A little bit of both guards, so he, he's kind of a, a flexible type guy. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see kind of how he evolves uh, in the Tennessee offensive line, and you know basically uh, what kind of happens next for him. But I think he's going to be really good, man, uh, for sure. I think I think he's going to he could sneak into late first round, maybe second round, uh, just depending on how well. He plays this season, but uh, I'm excited about him. I think, he, yeah. I think he's going to be really. He's he's probably going to end up one being one of my guys uh, for sure. Uh, hey, season, being so. one of your guys has paid off for for people in the past. Caesar Ruiz, man. Yeah, I mean it. For some reason, I, I yeah. I, listen, I, I I can't even explain it to words. How I felt when Saints called his name. Why? Uh, but you know they, they they've got some other dudes. They've got Jared Guarantano, who I feel like has been there for like thirty eight years. I swear to God, this is not the first time we've seen a dude where we just kind of like, isn't this dude older than us? <laughs> for sure. I mean, really, any SEC quarterback at one of these one of the not good ones, they're there forever. There forever. Like, Brandon Allen was at Arkansas forever. Uh, they've also got Ty Chandler, the running back. Um, you know, uh, listen, these are kind of dart throws at the end of day three. Uh, but they've, they've got some dudes. Uh, Josh Palmer, I think, got, got a shout-out from um, from Jim Nagy for the Senior Bowl, 6'2", 195. Canadian. Canadian. Never mind. All right. Wide receiver one. We found him. We found him. Sorry, Jamar Chase. Uh, it's, uh, we are all aboard the Josh Palmer hype train uh, from literally about an hour away from me in Brampton. Um, yeah. All right, man. All right. I'm going to have to follow him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Get I mean, on the podcast. Talk about the, riding moose. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to go to a Tennessee game. Oh, yeah? Because just the, the Rocky Top song, like fight song, is just like. Y'all, I found the best name. I found the best name. Sean Shamberger. He plays for Tennessee? Yep. Sean Shamberger. S-H-A-M Burger. All right. So we're going to do, uh, we're going to finish the show with, uh, conference team name rankings. <laughs> oh, man. And, oh, command number one, uh, shocker, SEC. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, Tennessee. I think that they're they're on the up and up. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's done a great job in terms of turning around a lot better than some people may have thought. I think some Rocky Top faithful thought that like 
he would immediately come in from Alabama and they'd just be like, boom, eight and five or like, boom, 10 and three. And it's like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Like, remember, I remember a couple years ago, they were getting like major league hype when they had like Josh Dobbs and like that three headed receiver. And like, there were people that thought that, that Tennessee was going to win their division and go to like, could be a, you know, college football playoff team. And they went like seven and five. Well, the thing is, like they need they have I think a they, I think they I think they beat Georgia like on that Hail Mary or whatever, and they just everything just crumbled down after that. I mean, it's hard because they play Alabama literally every year in the what like the third October, the third uh, Saturday in October or something like that, some something like that. But it's hard when you play them every single year, you know. Uh, but listen, when Tennessee's good. Listen, uh, a lot is good. A lot is good in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I'm rooting for Tennessee to get back. I, I'm I'm kind of tired of seeing Georgia and Florida be the only two representing the SEC. So having Tennessee in there, I think that that kind of just balances out everything. Because then you got on both the East and West divisions, you got multiple teams that can compete every year. So definitely. Uh, he's definitely building a really good program, and and Tennessee, they're they're not as bad to watch as they were in the first couple weeks. So definitely, they're like I said, they're on the up and up. Uh, this next team, I I have no idea, like really where the NFL talent comes from. This is Texas A&M, and Come that's on. not a sentence I expected to say, like three four years ago. Come um, on, no, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I guess we can start with Kellen Mond. It might as well. <laughs> he is a quarterback. <laughs> and that's about all I have to say on Kellen Mond. Um, Yo, listen, how many times are we going to hear every sucks. year? How many times are we going to hear every year Kellen Mond's going to make the jump this year? I swear to God, uh, Kellen Mond's another guy that I swear to God has been at, at Texas A&M for like 15 years. I swear, it's like, it's like he made he made a couple wild throws and everyone's like all over him. For, I swear he's the dude that took over for Johnny Manziel. Basically, like I, I swear mean, they, he's been they had they, they had Kenny Hill who had one good game and then he oh my god I forgot about Kenny Hill. They had Trevor Knight. They um, had Kyler Murray. They had Kyler Murray. They had Baker. No, no, no. I'm no, they didn't have no Texas Tech. Had, they had Kyle yeah. Allen. Yeah, yeah. I, Kyle Allen and I thought they were going. They, they were. were they thought. He, they thought he was going to be the future. And then they. Then he and Kyler transferred the same offseason. Which opened the door Kyle. for Kellen Mond. Don't you wish that you kind of wish that they had maybe kept uh, Kyler? Oh, uh, they wished so badly. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, what's What's his name? Uh, Kevin Sumlin still might be at Texas A&M. Yeah, you know what, Jimbo. Jimbo is going to get something out of these kids. There's just not going to be a lot of high-end talent. They do have a dude that's talked about in terms of tight end one for 2022, and I love this name, Jalen Weidermeyer. I I haven't heard that name before. Yeah, 6'5", 260, receiving threat, uh, which when you're 260, (laughs) that's a mismatch waiting to happen. The rest of their defense, I, I like the rest of their team, I have no idea who any of these guys are. I haven't heard uh, any hype on any of these players. Even the Texas A&M fans, I haven't heard none from them. Exactly. It's been dead I've heard silence. Nothing. It's literally just Kellen Mond, 
I don't know if this Isaiah Spiller is related to CJ Spiller. Maybe. I got nothing. Like I, I got nothing when it comes to Texas A&M. They're going to be Are interested we... when I have to read about, when I have to watch more film on them, but... Man, I, I, I got nothing. He's not even draft eligible. 6'1", 220. That's a good size running back. Coming off of nine, almost 1,000 yards. Yeah, I, I remember him. I, I remember the name. I remember him breaking out some big runs. Uh, but listen, man, it, it starts and ends with Kelamon, and it ends. It just ends. It ends because, listen, I've seen him in top 10 quarterback rankings. I've seen him, like, constantly every year be like, oh, he's going to make a jump. He might. He's a quarterback to watch. So it's like he has talent. We just need to put just, it together. I just don't. He just doesn't scream a quarterback that's going to put it all together. Like he's going nope. to be probably he's going to have a lot of AM records because he's been there starting for four years. But he just hasn't done anything, really. He hasn't nope. he hasn't taken that next step that you would like to see. We thought he was going to take it with Jimbo. Because Jimbo, you know, people you know, like Jimbo, Jameis Winston, you know, but no. No. Um, so, yeah, moving into the last school, Vanderbilt. They got nice uniforms. They they got nice uniforms. I'm like 95% sure that they got the son of Sharif Abdul-Rahim on their team. They got nice uniforms. Basketball team is always competitive. Uh, Skip Bayless is all alma mater, so. Is it? Yes. Huh. <laughs> I didn't know I needed a reason to root against Vandy. Uh, uh, but let's... dude, I'm pretty sure that one of their wide receivers is the son of Sharif Abdul Rahim. Might be. Amir Abdul Rahim, six four, two ten, hometown of Atlanta. These kids would have been born in, like, 2000. I think Sharif was playing in Atlanta in 2000. I think it yeah, might be. I, I, actually, I actually know uh, someone that's, like, in the Ardurahim family. Like, I played basketball against him. Humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, no, there is one guy I've heard some, some rumblings about. That's the linebacker, Dimitri Moore. Uh, 6'3", 230. They went into Texas and got someone? Damn, man. Usually these are local kids. Uh, but, like, you know, again, <clears throat> I mean, like, very limited buzz on some of these guys. They're, it's Vandy, man. They're not they're not surprising anyone. But, you know, uh, from what I've, I've seen or I've heard, he's got some decent movement skills, good against the run. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to say. It's Vanderbilt. They're constantly getting trounced. Is this, okay? I have a question for you though. Is this finally the year that Derek Mason gets fired? I don't want. Yes. I don't want to root for anyone to get fired. But come on, man. If they I, was it Tennessee fine. that it was Missouri that they that 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 they upset and that basically saved his job. Like, oh boy, you beat Missouri. Yeah, it's time, man. It's time he, to move he, on. He's, he's made one bowl game. He's been there for like seven years. It, it sucks because he had to follow James Franklin. Uh, he had to follow James Franklin, and you know, I, there's, he, there's he, he not left gonna, a good gig at Stanford, man. There's not going to be another run for Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt unless they make a splash higher for a long time, like they had with James Franklin. Dude, can you imagine if they just decided, you know what, F it. Let's throw all the money at Lane Kiffin. 
That's an SEC thing to do. Still <laughs> Lane Kiffin's funny. assistant. Offensive coordinator. Shoot, <laughs> offensive analyst. Anything. Yeah. Uh, listen, there, there's not a lot there. They lost Keyshawn Vaughn. They lost um, who was the wide receiver they had. Uh, hell was his name. I'm drawing a complete blank on it. I don't even remember. Uh, this is gonna drive me nuts. Hang on, pull up my my notes. Um, the hell was his name? The Vanderbilt kid. I have it in here. Uh, Lipscomb. Oh yeah. Yeah, they lost him, Kalijah Lipscomb. Uh, they lost quarterback. Vandy lost a lot of guys last year, and we're talking lay round guys too. So, I mean, I. <sighs> Vandy ain't gonna be good this year, man. Commodores, huh? Commodores. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are not going to be good this year. I don't see it turning around for them anytime soon. This is a basketball school. This is an academics and basketball school. This is like Duke. This is like UNC. Usually UNC is like. Um, I was trying to think of more, more schools like that, but ran out of schools already. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not going to be good. They haven't been good for a while. Uh, so there you have it, guys. Um, yeah, we ran down nine teams. Um, I think we found like maybe four that had interesting players that we knew a decent amount of and could project. There's a lot of crap in the SEC. Um, you know, the SEC always gets talked about as being like this, this high, this high octane, like they're the best conference in, in the country, right? They're not. The SEC is carried by Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Auburn. There's a reason we we did what we did. There's a reason we spent half an hour talking about just those five teams. And we struggled with, with this lot, man. There's not a lot. Tennessee, building something. South Carolina, who knows? Mississippi State, no idea. They could be great this year with Mike Leach, or they could be terrible. Mississippi, who knows? Like, Kentucky, wild card, could be good, might be crap. Missouri, wild card, might be good, might be crap. Vandy, crap. Arkansas, crap. Texas A&M, meh. Like, it's not a good conference. When you look at the SEC, and you stack it up against even the Big Ten, the Big Ten is eight, nine, ten, like eight or nine teams deep. Like, we went real deep. And then it, it takes a nosedive and you start getting into Maryland and Northwestern and, 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 and those schools. The ACC, it's still relatively deep once you get into like that 9-10 range. The Big 12, it's only a 10-team conference, but there's still five or six good teams. The, the Pac-12 SEC's is incredibly deep. Incredibly deep. And when you look at this, it's like, man... There is nothing after, like, the fifth best team in the country. You know, the thing is, is that the top five teams in the SEC are all in, like, the top 12 in the country. So it gets that credit. But it it bottoms out so quick. Yeah, listen, the, the top-heavy part of the SEC is probably the best in the country. But then if you look at conference-wise, you got to give the edge to either the Big Ten, maybe the Pac-12. Maybe I mean, ACC? we, I we mean, have it... gone through every major conference, and 
I haven't, like I said, I haven't done a deep you know, dive of the SEC. You haven't either. But when we look at it, I would say Big Ten has the most. I would say the ACC probably in second. Big 12, Pac-12, SEC in terms of, like, strength of the conference. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it... It, it, it just falls the way it is. I mean, there's a surprise team out of the SEC East every year, but pretty much in the West, it's going to be Alabama, LSU, or Auburn. Yeah. Texas A&M isn't making noise. Nope. Uh, they nothing. probably won't. And then the bottom teams are just, they're so bad. They're so yeah. bad. The, you know what? You either, you're either coached by Nick Saban or, or Coach O or Malzahn or one of those, or you are literally just fledging along trying to get bowl eligible. Listen, Florida really did a a, a big heist when they took away Dan Mullen from Mississippi State. Yep, because he basically that was, destroyed that, that. That was a huge heist. I can't believe that happened, but it did. And, and Florida should be thankful because they're back to prominence where they were in the late 2000s. Yeah. So they, they got to thank Dan Mullen for that one because otherwise yep. they – Florida would be just a mill like it will be basically I don't even know what to compare it to. They no. would basically be Texas A and M of the East. Pretty much. You know what? I think that's yeah, those are good words to end on, man. Florida would be the the Texas A and M of the East. Uh I think that's a good place to call it for today. As always, guys, um you know, you can follow me on Twitter, Mike H underscore draft, follow Devin at real D underscore Jackson. You know, know it's him because he's got that blue check mark. Uh, yes, he is verified. Um, you can follow the show, Big Shots Pod. Uh, follow uh, Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. Uh, Devin, you got any pieces you're working on right now? Uh, I'm I'm gonna probably get to it later this week. Um, but a couple pieces. Uh, one is gonna be like more of New Orleans Saints specific. Uh, look at Ty Montgomery and see what he can bring to the Saints. Uh, but another one I'm looking at uh, is the most versatile draft-eligible players uh, that can play multiple positions uh, defensively, offensively, uh, that teams should really take a, like, a look at. Not necessarily round one or round two guys, but guys that you can plug in to a lot of different positions. And, uh, you know, a couple of players that's probably going to be on that list is Cade Mays, uh, DeMarcus Fields from Texas uh, Texas Tech, Um Trying to think of some other ones, probably. Um, yeah, more to come on that. But yeah, sometime this week, later this week, probably next week, I'm going to have that out. Yeah, I'm currently working on finishing up my Pac-12 preview. I spent a week and a half every single day. I'd sit down and watch. I'd try to watch at least one or two teams. I tried to watch as many different games as possible so that there wasn't a lot of duplication. So, like, I know I watched six different games involving the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, you know, Oregon came up in seven games i think uh or so uh you know i watched i think five usc games i think the team i had to watch the least amount of was probably cal cal or colorado uh but like i watched a lot of maybe washington state um but like i tried to get a a good variety of both conference and non-conference see what teams could do uh, and, and kind of really get a read for the conference because I hadn't really done uh, a lot of West Coast scouting. I'm going to do the same uh, this coming week with uh, the SEC, so that should probably be getting released sometime next week. And then after that, I have this big piece plan where I'm basically going to do um, 
what I've been doing in terms of the previews, but I'm going to do it for the whole like group of uh, group of five or is it a group of five or is it a group of six? Group of five, right? Group of five. Group of five plus some of the F- uh, you know, FCS guys. Where I'm not going to be going team by team, obviously, because that would literally be like a gigantic dissertation. But just kind of go p- position by position some of the guys uh, from basically the the smaller schools and talk about who you should be watching outside of these big, you know, outside of outside of the big conferences. Because you know what, like for every, you, you know, you're going to find one guy at Kansas, but you might find six guys at Memphis. So I think that that's really something that you know uh, that that needs to be done. So that's going to be probably maybe three weeks away. Um, you know, again, guys, we're getting close to episode fifty. We got something big planned for episode fifty. Uh, so keep you know keep your uh, keep your ears peeled, you know, eyes locked. Make sure that you're checking us, you know, checking out our stuff. Uh, you know, as well as some of our colleagues over at Blue Chip Scouting. But until next week, guys, take it easy. That was long.